It's The Principle with Pastor Mac, where we learn the heart of God through the mind of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. I am your host, Pastor Mac. Join me as we dive into the passages of Scripture and find out how principles from God's Word give us the power to overcome the problems of life. Hello, everyone. Pastor Mac. I hope you're having a great day. I hope you're having a a good week so far. Um, My week so far has been great. Uh, Had a great day yesterday, Sunday in church. Got to be honest with you, you know, I'm human, right? I'm human like everybody else. And and, uh, yesterday's sermon, probably not one of my top 10. Um, Struggled a little bit because it's one of those things sometimes I get so excited about what I've what I've got to share. And then I I get so much information that sometimes it's information overload and it kind of gets all jumbled up in my head. Um, But it was a good word and and we had a great day and and it was just good time to be with God's people and thoroughly enjoyed it. And I will pick up the pieces of my bruised and shattered ego and I will move on. Um, And that's, uh, and that's what life is all about, right? And then just picking up the pieces, it's not, I tell my daughters all the time, it's not that you make a mistake or when you make a mistake or if you make a mistake, because you're going to make a mistake. Um, it's how you respond and react afterwards. And so, uh, so we're going to move on. So I, I want to, I'm, I'm very excited to be with you today, though. I want to look at, go back. We started last week with the three types of sin. And last week we looked at iniquity. Um. And we're going to look at, I'm going to pull this verse that we, that I I got this from Psalm 32. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now I want to go down just a couple of verses, go to verse five. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So we look at that, and I and I brought about the idea last week of the three types of, um, I think I called them infractions last week, uh, the three things that that we do that are against God and against His will for our lives, and that was uh, sin, iniquity, and transgression. Now last week we started with iniquity, and I did that on purpose because the iniquity is the sin that's in the mind, right? It's the wrong thinking. Um, we we talked about the verses from Jesus where in the you know Sermon on the Mount where he says you have heard it said uh, don't commit murder um, but I say to you whoever uh, hates a brother without a cause commits murder already don't look at another person to uh, or don't commit adultery um, but I say if you look at someone and lust after them in your heart you've committed adultery already and so we talked about how iniquity is a sin of the mind it's it's the sins in your thoughts um, we even looked at how iniquity can block your prayer life for psalm 66 18 says if i regard iniquity in my heart um, the lord will not hear me so i'm not going to go back and, and revisit all that but i just want to give a review uh, because I, I think it's important we need to understand that uh that we as human beings, we, uh, we're more than just our body. Uh, we're body, soul, and spirit, right? We, in fact, I think I've even talked about that on here. Um, and we are capable of offending the Lord and not doing right 
with more than just our bodies. It's our thoughts and the things that we say. And so I wanted to look at that last week and kind of dig into iniquity um, and, and give a little more uh, depth or, or a little more thoughts on that. So today we're going to look at sin. And I'm going to go from iniquity to sin. We'll talk about transgression next week. And, and the reason I leave transgression uh, for the last, I'll, I'll explain next week. Um, but if iniquity is a sin of the mind, sin is a sin of the body. It's something you actually physically do. Now, I, we've got to give a definition, and I think this is important. In the, in the Greek, in the New Testament, um, the word for sin, hamartia, means to miss the mark. And if you've ever listened to me in my sermons or anything, you'll, you know I've explained this. So we're aiming, so the idea of missing the mark is an archery term. You have a, you have a, a board in front of you, and in the center of that board is a bullseye. It's a target. And you're standing back 20, 30, 40, 50 feet or more, whatever, and you've got your bow and your arrow, and you pull back the bow, and you let it go. The aim is the target in the center, the bullseye in the center. And anytime you miss that bullseye, that's an amartia. It's a sin. It's You've missed the mark. It doesn't matter if you've missed it by a half an inch or if you've missed it by 15 feet. You miss the mark. And so this idea of sin being there are some sins worse than others and those kind of things, um, when it comes to the idea of perfection, doesn't matter. Sin is sin. So a little white lie is as bad as murdering somebody when it comes to Jesus or God and his holiness. Any, any area of your life that you miss the mark, you offend the holiness of God. And you offend the perfection that is to be our mark. Remember what the Lord told Moses and told the children of Israel in the Old Testament, be ye holy for I am holy. And then in the New Testament, he tells us to be perfect, for he is perfect. So the goal, the aim, is holiness and perfection. And in any area of our life that we don't hit that, that is sin. So again, it doesn't matter if it's a little white lie or if I go out and, and kill people. Now, the, the consequences of those sins are different because the severity of the sin is different. But the fact that it's an actual sin is no different when it comes to offending the holiness and the perfection of God. And so I think we need to understand and get that into our head. We, we want to view that we're not as bad as somebody else. I'm not as bad as so-and-so because I don't do the things that they do. Okay, well, maybe by human standards, I may not be as bad as so-and-so down the street. But we're not comparing ourselves with so-and-so down the street. The scripture says if we compare ourselves among ourselves, we become fools. We have to compare ourselves to the holiness and the perfection of God. And that is, that is absolutely 100% unfair, right? It's unfair. But that's the measure that God gives us to live by. And any area that we miss that by is sin in our lives. And that's why in Romans 6.23, it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Excuse me, Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has sinned because none of us are perfect. Every one of us lack perfection and lack pure holiness. And so that is a sin. We all do things that are that is wrong. 
Uh, in fact, in James, it says to the one that knows to do good and doeth it not. To him it is a sin. So for all of us, we all fall short, fall short of that perfection, that holiness, that target, that aim. We all miss it. But we need to understand that there is a connection between the iniquity and the sin in our lives. This is where I wanted to dig in a little bit. See, every action begins with a thought. And in fact, I'm going to show you from Scripture. I want to pull up a few Scripture and show this to you and, and make a connection, and then we'll wrap it up. Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel, right? The story of Cain and Abel. And I'm going to give you a quick synopsis real quick. Cain and Abel both, both bring an offering to the Lord. Abel's is accepted. Cain's is not. Now, I've heard all the arguments about that Abel's is accepted because he brought a lamb. He brought something that bleeds because blood is needed to cover our sin and make atonement. And Cain did not. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think if you look at it, you see a couple of things. You see, one, that Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. He brought his first fruit, the, the most important, the best of the best. And it says that Cain just brought an offering. Now, there's something else I think we need to see. Cain was angry because his offering was not accepted. In fact, chapter 4, verse 5, but God did not have respect or did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Now, even notice right there, it says that God didn't respect Cain and his offering. So there was something within Cain and what he was bringing and how he was bringing it, why he was bringing it, that fell short of what God was expecting or demanding. So verse six, so the Lord said to Cain, uh, let me finish verse five. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Uh, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Here's verse seven. If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Notice it says, but if you do well, you will be accepted. But if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. The idea of if you do not do well is not an idea of uh, or a description of an act. If you do not do well is a description of the state of mind. I, in fact, we even use that today. We can say someone is not well, and they, they have fever, they have body aches, those kind of things. Or we could say someone is not well, and we're describing their state of mind or their mental acuity or their mental ability. And that's the thought here in Genesis chapter 4. If you don't do well, sin lies at the door. And there was something within Cain that wasn't right. His attitude about God, his attitude about his circumstances, his attitude about where God had put him. Because ultimately, any of any wrong mindset is a wrong mindset about God, right? If I'm complaining about my spouse or if I have wrong thoughts about my spouse, then 
I'm really complaining about the spouse that God brought to my life. So I'm complaining about God. If I'm complaining about my job or if I have the wrong thought about my job in my life, then I'm really complaining about the job that God has brought into my life. So I'm complaining against God. And that's exactly what's going on here with Cain. Cain, there is something in his mindset, something in the way he's thinking, something in the way he's feeling that is not right between him and the Lord. He's blaming God for something. He is accusing God of something uh, or, or whatever, whatever it may be. There's something about him that is not right in his thoughts about the Lord. And so it affects what he brought to the Lord as a, as a sacrifice. Ooh, that'll preach on a Sunday morning. If we come into the house of God with our hearts and minds not right about God and where we are in life, it absolutely 100% affects the sacrifice of praise that we bring to the Lord. It affects our, our, our sacrifice of our time of listening to his word. It sacrifices the, the, attitude with which we sing and it affects everything. And if we don't do well, it actually impacts everything that we bring to the Lord. And that's what he told Cain. So now I want to look at, let me give you some more. If you go to James chapter one, which I've got marked right here in my Bible, it says here, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he is approved, um, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now, I, I use the new King James. King James says uh, drawn away by his own lust. Either one is fine. Drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So again, it goes back to something on the inside that leads to, let's look at the verse, next verse. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So there is a connection from what's on the inside to what's on the outside. I made this comment last week that Satan is out there throwing all kinds of stuff at us to see what sticks. And the only way he can know he can know what sticks is how we respond, we react, we react from what's on the inside, connect to that that's on the outside, and then we respond with more than just our mind. We then respond with our bodies, and it becomes sin. Iniquity is the first infraction; is the first um, offense against God. What we're having our minds, our thoughts about where we are, who we are, what we like, what we don't like. Our, our See, let me, let me give it to an example that's real easy. If I have the wrong mindset about my wife and the spouse that God has given me, and my mindset is that I'm not happy with my spouse, that, again, let me take that deeper. I'm not happy with the spouse that God has given me, so I'm unhappy with God. That makes me unhappy about my marriage, which makes me unhappy about my life, and I've got this mindset going on. Then when the enemy or the world throws something in front of me that's someone other than my wife, then I've got this thought pattern against, against God and against the life that he has given me on the inside. See where I'm going? And then I find something on the outside that gives me what I think will be happiness or a break or a relief or something that I think I deserve because I deserve it because God didn't give me what I deserve. See, see where the mind is going. And then I react or I respond in such a way to that, that is outside of my body by using my body to create a further offense 
against God and what he's got and, and what he's done in my life. Starts with a thought, but then it goes to the action and it goes from iniquity to sin. And that is, that is where, so to speak, lies the rub. Now, I, I, I didn't have time and I don't have time to go into all the scripture with this, but I, I need you to understand something. I need you to understand that I brought up the verse Psalm 66 and I'm going to, this is kind of a, I I hate to use the word deep, right? I hate that. Oh, this is deep. Uh, It's a pet peeve of mine. I think this is a spiritual principle that we need to understand. Let me put it that way. According to Psalm 66, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Infractions or sins of the mind, iniquity, because they're of the mind or of the spirit, let me put it that way, it impacts me in the spiritual state, in the spiritual realm. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Because they are sins of the spirit, sins of the mind, then I get impacted. There's consequences in the spiritual realm. But because sins are sins of the body, they're things I do with my body, then the consequences or the impact are upon things in my body. Let me see if I can explain. Again, I just used Psalm 66. I hope that that makes sense. But if I do something with my body, drugs, alcohol, anything that I do that's I do it with my body, then the consequences are things with my body. Now, I've already got sins of the mind or I wouldn't be doing the things with the body. See, I I think I've, from Genesis 4 and James chapter 1, I've shown you that. So if I've got sins of the mind, I've already got those. Sins of the body are are the second part. I, I already have sins of the mind if I've done sins of the body. But the sins of the body, sins with the body, excuse me, the consequences are with the body. In fact, there's a, a scripture from Paul where he talks about sexual sin. That sexual sin, because it's a sin done against the body, that my body shall reap the consequences, not benefits, but consequences of acting against my body or doing those things with my body. So sin is an act of the body. Therefore, the consequences are of the body. If I take drugs, it impacts my body. If I go sleeping around, it impacts my body. Sexual transmitted diseases, those kind of things. It impacts my body. If If my heart is full of violence and I go out and act with violent measures, physically act with violent measures, (laughs) then when other people physically act back, it's my body that gets the bruises, right? And so I I hope that you get that, that, and and here's, and that's where you see Romans 6, 23, and you see it in James chapter one, that the wages of sin, the consequences of sin end up being death every time that I commit the sin with my body, something in me dies. Now, I may go out and and uh, take illicit drugs, or I may go out and have uh, illicit sex and illicit affairs, and I may not immediately suffer the consequences. I go out and take some drugs. I may not immediately die. 
I may go out and, and have an affair. I don't immediately die. But if I do this thing with my body, then something inside me dies because the wages of sin is death. And the studies on this are absolutely 100% water airtight, so to speak, waterproof. They're convincing. There's a book out there called Hooked, um, and it's two scientists that are not believers. They're not believers. And they talk about the consequences of, of young people or people who's, who sleep around before they, before they get married. And it talks about how it, the sleeping around, how it deadens the heart and it hurts their bodies. It actually impacts the chemistry in their brain and the chemistry of their body so that they, because they, um, because they go around and sleep around that not only does their body suffer the consequences through, uh, uh, um, more access or not access, more chances of getting sexually transmitted diseases, AIDS, those kind of things. Um, it impacts their body in such a way that literally the chemistry of their body begins to get wired in such a way that they are no longer able to have long-term meaningful satisfying relationships with another human being. They suffer the consequences within their body, literally changing the chemistry of their brain and the makeup of their body in such a way that it impacts them for the rest of their lives. And so we need to understand that, that when we do those things with our body, our body, something dies within us. The wages of sin is death. And if you think going around and, and living life the way you want to live and, and doing the things you want to do does not have consequences, then you are delusional <laughs> living in a dream world. I, I, I don't know how else to say it. That when you go out there and you do those things with your body, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter what it is. That something dies. A part of you dies. And it's not the idea of an ultimate, yes, there is the ultimate death that comes at the end, but folks, we all die. We all die. So the idea of the wages of sin being death has got to mean more than just the end of our physical life. Because everyone dies, even the child of God who has been forgiven of sin. So there has to be something more to it. And so this idea of Wages of sin is death, that that when the sin is conceived, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Verse James chapter 1, verse 15, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. When there is sin in your life, folks, something dies, and there is no avoiding it. So how do we deal with it? What do we do? Now, I'm going to get to the, when I get to the end in a couple of weeks on this, or I may do it next week with the transgression. I'm not real sure of that yet. But I'll talk about how Jesus takes care of all three, sin, iniquity, and transgression. So stay tuned. There's more to come. But one of the things that we can do, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, that verse is misquoted so often, it's 
it's stupid. I, I don't know how else to say it. It doesn't say that God won't give us more than we can bear. Absolutely does not say that. 100% does not say that. The scripture never says God will not give us more than we can bear. In fact, I think it's right the opposite. I think God oftentimes absolutely pours upon us more than we can bear because in the state of where we're in a situation or we're in a condition where we have more than we can bear, it drives us to our knees in total dependence and absolute dependence to God. So I would much rather be in a situation where I'm having to live my life in 100% humility, absolutely dependent upon God because I'm facing things I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with and they're more than I can bear. So that's not what that verse says. It says there is no temptation that has overtaken you such as is common to man. But with every temptation, God has given us a way of escape. And folks, it is very simple. When God gives, when not God, when the temptation comes and God gives us that way of escape, the way of escape is a simple two-letter word, no. Someone comes at you asking you to do some things that you know are not right, cheat on your spouse, have sex before marriage, whatever it may be, no. It's plain and simple. Well, and well, first of all, he give, God gives us the wisdom, hopefully not to put ourselves in that situation. Young folks, if you're listening, you don't make the decision not to give yourself to another person before you're married when you're in the backseat of the car on a Friday night and it, you're out past your curfew and you're, you know, you're in places you shouldn't be. That's not when you make your decision. You make your decision before you ever get into the car and go on a date. You make your decision when you're in your private time and you're, you know, talking to the Lord or whatever it may be. But it's simple. It's very simple. He gives us the strength. This is exactly what God, or what Paul is talking about when he says those who are in sin, they are slaves to sin. They don't have the ability to, to, to say no to the sin in their lives because they're a slave to it. But when we become children of God, there's no temptation that overtakes us, such as is common to man, but with every temptation, he gives us a way of escape. And that way of escape is the ability and the power through the power of the Holy Spirit within you to say no. And boy, that is some deep theological stuff. You want to use deep, there's your deep right there. No. Hey, let's do this. No. How about no? Can I start? No. See, I know I'm being silly, right? I can do that. It's my podcast. I can do it, right? It's plain and simple. We have the ability to say no. But if you don't know Christ, you don't have that ability. So there's another thing we ought to do. We got to go to 1 John. Chapter 1, starting at verse 6, if we, say that we, uh, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, um, 
let me make one more connection right here. I'm running out of time, but I want to make one more connection between the iniquity and the sin thing. It says that if we say that we have, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have no sin, then our brains are crazy, right? That's what he's saying. We're deceiving ourselves. Our way of thinking is not right. Our minds are screwed up. The way we think about this is not is 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 messed up. So it goes back to the idea of the things that we do with our body connect to the things that we do with our brains, and the things we do with our brains connect to the things we do with our bodies. If we say we have no sin, if we say we have not done anything physically wrong with our bodies, then our minds are messed up. We have deceived ourselves. So iniquity and sin go hand in hand. But if we confess our sin, now this is where it gets interesting, and this is where I'm really running out of time. If we confess our sin, confess means in the Greek, homo legeo, to say the same thing. It doesn't mean, yes, I did this. That's part of it. Yes, I shot the sheriff, but I didn't shoot the deputy, whatever. You know, the old song says, to confess doesn't mean to say I did it. The homo legeo means to say the same thing about it that God says about it. That's what confession is. Get that in our in your brain. Confession is to say the same thing about it God says about it. What does God say about your sin? You've offended his perfection and his holiness and his love. And your sin cost Jesus his life. And when we can say that about our sin, then hopefully... Hopefully, that gets us to thinking about the severity of our sin. And it changes our minds and we repent. The word repent means to rethink our sins because we start to realize that it put Christ on the cross. And if we do that, he is faithful and just to forgive us each and every time. Say the same thing about it. He did. Yes, I did it. And it put your son on the cross. It cost Jesus his life. And for that, I'm going to repent means I'm going to rethink about my sin and the fact that I somehow think I deserve it or whatever it may be. And I'm going to walk away from it. That's what repent means. So here's the quote. R.C. Sproul, we should never be surprised when God keeps his word to forgive those who confess their sins. Folks, take it to him today. Love you. Talk to you later.